Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Big show coming up for you tonight. Joe Pantorno from AM New York will be joining us. We're going to be talking about the Islanders' Pens 2-2 series here on Hockey Night New York. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is this guy right here, Christian Arnold. Christian how are you? I'm well, Sean. How's it going, buddy? I'm How feeling, are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty damn good, pal, because the Islanders put a nice little 4-1 win up on the board yesterday at the Nazwar Coliseum. And uh, it was yes. a grand day. <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting you to say that. <laughs> it was a wonderful day. Uh, I had a great time. I was yes. in the building. And I'll tell you what, buddy, 50% capacity felt like 100 it was at least in the vax section. I can't speak for the unvaxxed. It was the closest to normal things have felt in a very, very long time between Thursday's game and between Saturday's game at the Nassau Coliseum. It was really a magnificent thing to see for sure. And I know, I know, a lot of people were happy to be back in that building. Yeah, without question, and it, and it just had a, a great atmosphere. I mean, the fans really brought it uh, both nights. Uh, obviously, things didn't go their way in Game Three. But things went very well yesterday, and now we have an even series. we got a best of three coming up. Uh, what do you make of the series so far? Yeah, things have certainly taken a turn. You're finally seeing the Islanders get to their style of play. And, you know, there's plenty to talk about from these last two games at the Nassau Coliseum. Series tied 2-2 two to two as things shift to Pittsburgh. Indeed, I want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great service. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We're also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company. Uh, phone company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And we are sponsored by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for everywhere you want to get rid of hair. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at Manscaped.com. There you go. So, back to the, back to the hockey talk here. 2-2 series, and let's, let's start out with what you make of the Pittsburgh Penguins and what they've brought to this series so far. Um, obviously, we're going to get into the meat of things with the Islanders, but... Mm-hmm. But what have you seen from Sidney Crosby? Evgeny Malkin obviously came back. He's played a bit of a factor here. Well, I think the most the interesting thing about the whole whole situation is how Evgeny Malkin's probably been the most undisciplined undisciplined player on the ice for much of the two games that he's been in this series. He had three penalties on Saturday, I believe he had three or something around there, a couple on Thursday as well. And the one thing the Islanders have done very well is find their way under the skin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You yes. didn't see that really in the first half of that game. Maybe the first 
10, 15 minutes of the first period of that game. Mm -hmm. But as that first game at the Nassau Coliseum, Game 3, went along, you saw the Islanders and their physical play get under the skin of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you saw it start to rattle them. Obviously, that big momentum swing in the third period, you had the scrum behind the net after, um, after the scoring chance by the Islanders. Melee breaks out. The entire Pittsburgh Penguins top line ends up in the in the penalty box along with two extras. Five guys in the Islanders penalty box. What happens? The Islanders get a power play all, out of all of that chaos. Right. And they score, I think, about 19, 18 seconds right into that power play. Maybe a little longer. Um, so you saw the momentum swing. And then again, in an even bigger fashion, in Game 4, where the Islanders, again, they brought that physical style of hockey that they play. And when they do that, that's when they're at their best. And you saw the Islanders really ramp that up in Game 4 and throw the Penguins off of their, their game. And you saw Evgeny Malkin taking a lot of silly penalties. You saw them actually score on the power play. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as though you had a power play where the Islanders go around and they're passing the puck. They finally started shooting the puck, at least certain players did. And you saw the Islanders get back to their style playing and all started with the physical nature of their game and throwing the Pittsburgh Penguins off of theirs. Yeah, it's been a huge factor for sure. Just just how noticeable that they have gotten under under their skin here. And, and, and Malkin, as you point out, it seems like he's uh, a little hot-headed over there and it's pretty easy to get under skin. So, I mean, it's obviously going to be very wise for the Islanders to just keep amping up that sort of play, keep um, making them earn their spots on the ice and, you know, maybe, you know, throwing a couple couple extra jabs here and there if they got to to get under their skin. Maybe you see a guy like Malkin go back to the box. Yeah, it's it certainly worked. And and, I, and you look at the way the Penguins have reacted. And, and there was an article in The Athletic, uh, Josh Yo, uh, reporting that the Penguins had actually reached out to the league to complain about the officiating in the series, specifically after really? Game 3. Uh, listen, the, the, officiating, the officiating has not been good. I think there's, there's a case to be made. Both sides, the officiating has not been good. Um, and there's certainly been calls that have been missed against the Penguins, and there's certainly been calls against that have been missed against the Islanders. I don't think anyone can really question that. Uh, I think where it kind of loses maybe some of its um, sting, I guess you could say, at least from an uh, from a perspective looking outside the Pittsburgh bubble, is that obviously Pittsburgh has the reputation of being a team that gets a lot of the calls and um, certainly whining when they don't. Whether that's a fair, right. whether it's a fair interpretation of what goes on with Pittsburgh, I, you know, I'll leave that up for the viewers and sure. and for you to decide. But right. certainly doesn't help their cause when this is the thing that's being reported out there in the media on the Pittsburgh side that they're going to the league to complain about the officiating because I didn't uh, know about that. That's uh, that's surprising because this. I mean, the officiating. I think the officiating has been pretty bad all around the National Hockey League from the from the Islanders Penguin series down to the Hurricanes Predator series to the, a lot of the other series. I think. There's been a lot of complaints this year about the officiating. It's it has been, and it's been. Incons- I mean, you look at the parade to the box that Wallstrom had. What was that in Game Two? I think it was or Game Three. Remember game we took two. Like, oh no, it was it Game we Three? Took three penalties and like. You know, especially the one roughing up, uh, you know, along the boards, you don't even call that during the regular season, let alone the playoffs. Like, I just didn't understand that call at all. And and also, it might have been the same game where the penal- the, the Penguins weren't called for a penalty aside from the 4-on-4. Uh, the four four. But outside of that, the only other penalty Pittsburgh had was when, uh, who was it, Gensel, who, who, uh, Rust, who grabbed the puck and threw it out of his own late in the game. And I think that was the only power play the Isles had in that game. And I was like, did the did the Penguins really play that clean of a game where they're really Really, the only penalty against them was was finally you know one you had to call when the guy closes his glove on the puck and tosses it. Well, I think that I, I think a lot of the series they've just been letting a lot of things go both ways. Uh, no question about it. I, 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 I didn't understand that. 
Listen, I, I think both teams have an argument to me to be made to the NHL about, and like I said, I think a lot of teams do because the yeah. officiating across the board has not been good at all. But I, I mean, you look at what the Islanders have been able to do with the opportunities they've given, been given, especially in Game Four. You're finally starting to see them capitalize, and that is huge, especially for a team that has struggled so immensely on the power play. Um, even if it takes Oliver Wallstrom basically getting somewhat lucky there with Teddy Bluger knocking the puck into his own net because uh, uh, you know reasons. <laughs> right, and then also Pollock's goal. I mean, that that shot was going way wide, and then it ends up going off a, a penguin skating into the net. So they did get a little, uh, as Jack Capuano used to like to talk about, puck luck. <laughs> they got some of you that. You could certainly break that phrase out for Game 4, but that's what you need. That's they what the it. Islanders did. Um, but they created your, their own puck luck, and I think yes. that's the key takeaway from Game 4 is that you saw the Islanders get away from that kind of scared style where they're not throwing pucks on net, they're not shooting. For the most part, they're still playing. Matthew Barzell, for instance, who has been very who, who who have struggled to shoot the puck and instead go past first, but you're seeing that trend start to go away a little bit yeah. for the Islanders in Game Four. Oliver Wallstrom leading the charge there. He had a couple of good chances, generating the scoring chance first of all for the Ryan Pulak goal you just mentioned, creating that puck luck again. It starts with Oliver Wallstrom just putting the puck on the net. It takes a fortuitous rebound right to uh, Ryan Pulak after. Uh, making its way right through a Pittsburgh defender and, and J.G. Pajot. Uh, Pulak able to catch the lucky break there, catch the skate of a Pittsburgh defender, and the puck goes through Tristan Jari's uh, legs. And then you have the the other goal, the Teddy Bluger goal. Again, Oliver Wallstrom just throwing the puck towards the net, it, it making that first shot onto the net. Jari makes the save, and then Teddy Bluger is the one that knocks it in. You could call it lucky, but if you don't put that first shot on the sure. net, none of that happens. Oh, I'm certainly certainly not trying to characterize yesterday's win as luck by any means. I mean, they earned that win. They played well. They took it to them, and they needed a game like that, 4-1. to one, yes. A nice little offensive outburst, whether it's going off skates or not. It's going in the <laughs> yes, net. Exactly. And, and, you know, offense has just been so difficult to come by for this team, especially, you know, in that second half of the season going into the playoffs mm-hmm. and even in these early games here against Pittsburgh where they just needed a game like that where they can get some pucks into the, into the twine. Now, my big thing now, and not to be the – the Debbie Downer here, but obviously we've seen this happen before against the New York Rangers, specifically there towards the end of the season where they have these offensive outbursts. Right. But my, my biggest question now is, will they sustain that offense or will they retreat back to what we've seen before where they have a big blowout game, big win, we think they're turning a corner, and then the next game they don't follow it up with the same effort or the same performance. I think that becomes the big question now because you have this series which is so competitive and so tight and you've had these games where they've kind of of alternated a little bit there between high-scoring games and low-scoring games and high-scoring games and low-scoring games. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Islanders respond. I like the mentality that they've had where it's – all right, we won. Time to move on. I like yes. that mentality. I yes. think it's it's fed them. It's done them well during the regular season. It's done them well during this series where they've kind of next game mentality, and I think that right. bodes well for them. No, I agree, and and you know, it's just look, they're not going to score four goals every night. You know, so it is especially is, not in the playoffs. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're still going to see more two, one, three, two games, especially when this. You know, you're talking about this Islander team, but the main thing for them, especially is, games between these two. Right, for sure. But, I mean, that's just, just characterizes the Islanders, you know, hockey, brand of hockey to begin with. But, look, 
if they can get out on time, I mean, we've talked about how crucial it is for this team to score the first goal, and, and, and it's proven crucial yeah. even in this series. I mean, they got to get that first one, play their style of hockey, play their brand, where they're they're basically forcing the other team to, you know, make mistakes, and they, they don't give them much, and they force them the outside. And, and look, there's a guy that we're going to have to talk about, especially when Joe comes on, but Ilya Sorokin. I mean, yeah. make it easy for the guy, and he's been outstanding since coming in. Well, I, I think it's more of the other way around. I think that his play has garnered the confidence for the team to go out there and do well. Um, I think okay. when you look at how Sorokin has played, especially in Game 4, the most recent game, obviously, um, I think there's something to be said for a guy that goes out there, and Kasperi Kapanen, I believe it was, gets you know the first scoring chance for the Pittsburgh Penguins a minute and one second into the game. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a chance that, against Semyon Varlamov, there's a good chance that that goes in, especially with the way he played in Game 2 and 3 to start the game. Not the mm. way he finished those games, right. but the way he started those games. Mm-hmm. Sorokin makes the big save, and immediately it seemed like the Islanders had that confidence level right out of the gate from there on out. And then they dominated that first period. They score in the second period. They really control the play for most of the game. So I think that that and having a goaltender who makes that initial save, and as simplest, simplistic and... and you know, easy of an explanation it is, I think it makes the most sense right now for, for the way the Islanders are playing because the confidence level seemed to be up a notch with Sorokin in the net. And that's not to say they don't believe in Varlamov. Right, but of course. There has to be something to, something to be said when your goaltender gives up those easy goals in the opening minutes of the first two ga- of those, those two games in Game 2 and Game 3. I think that's a good observation, Christian. We're going to get some more observations from Joe Pantorno mm-hmm. from AM New York. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Hockey Night New York here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We'll be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800, that's 516-856-7800, or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com, that's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you-
did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. That's always one of my favorites. Bumps back into the show. This is Hockey Night in New York. Of course, it's that time, as always. It's on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And with us today is actually my friend from hey. AM New York, the editor, sports editor from AM New York. Also does some work for the Philadelphia version of the paper as well in uh, Metro Philly. Uh, that's Joe Pantorno. Joe, what's going on, bud? Thanks for joining us today. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm finally in a podcast pseudo-professional setting with uh, with Christian Arnold. What a day. <laughs> there you go. All right. This is great. Joe was probably the most excited of our guests ever to talk to me in a professional podcast setting. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. Well, glad you made it on, Joe. <laughs> My pleasure. Plenty to talk about, Joe. Obviously, I think we have to start with the stellar performance of Ilya Sorokin in games, uh, Game 4. Um, helping the Islanders even the series at two as things shift back to the Pittsburgh and PPG Paints Arena. Joe, looking at the effort that uh, Ilya Sorokin has had in this playoff series, not even just Game Four but Game One as well. Just what do you make of make of how confident he's been and how well he's played, and um, any particular reason that you've seen or noticed why he's been able to play so confidently in his first NHL playoff series? Yeah, I mean, this guy has been billed as advertised, where. Coming into this season and towards the end of the uh, the bubble during last year's playoffs, we were kind of put in this interesting and, and different setting where usually you can kind of find out the demeanor of a rookie and how he acts off the ice um, when you're interacting with the players in the locker room, whether that's a morning skate, after games, whatever that might be. Um, here we've only had to really get a glimpse of him through the zoom calls and sure i mean it's a little bit scripted and it's in a it's in a scrum setting so most of the time you have to just kind of take the word of barry trotz of sorokin's teammates and they've always said that he is level-headed and he is calm for someone his age but granted at the end of the day he is 25 years old so he's kind of been around um but he's lived exactly up to that billing where no moment is too big for him. And a lot of that comes with his experience of playing in the KHL and becoming one of the biggest international goaltending prospects in the world uh, during his time at CSKA Moscow. It's winning a Gagarin Cup. It's becoming the KHL playoff MVP. This kid, he's had the experience. It's not like, and Barry Trotz alluded to this yesterday, it's not like this was just a fresh-faced rookie who they plucked off the street and they threw him (laughs) into the playoffs and they said good luck. Um, So it's it wasn't that. And he has been billed as advertised where it's the same thing where it doesn't matter how frantic and how chaotic it gets around his goal, how his team is playing in front of him. You're getting the same Ilya Sorokin the whole time. And that obviously is the big intangible when it comes to being a successful goaltender and something that's going to ensure that he has sustained success for a very long time in the NHL. Joe, I think you're right on the money, and I guess to follow that up, uh, the million-dollar question, maybe it isn't a million-dollar question at this point, but is there any way you <laughs> don't start him for Game 5? See, that is that is the million-dollar question. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say, if I was a betting man, and I am not, I would say <laughs> that right now that this is Ilya Sorokin's job to lose. And Barry Trotz has kept it close to the vest, and we won't have any idea until the Islanders skate out for pregame warm-ups. And right. he will tell you that his starting goaltender will be 
one that was born in Russia who catches left-handed and we'll all <laughs> giggle uh, during the during the Zoom conference and everything. But from my opinion, and I don't want to call it a professional opinion, but from my opinion, I think that this is Sorokin's job to lose now, just considering how well he has played in his last two postseason games and how much better the Islanders have played in front of him. And I'm not saying that that's a correlation or anything like that, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to ignore. Well, let's let's explore that because that was actually going to be my next question, Joe. You, it certainly seems like the fact that Sorokin in the, is in the net, uh, that the players in front of him play a little bit more confidently. And I was curious on your opinion. Do you think there is a correlation between the success that Sorokin has had, even just making those first couple saves early in the game compared to what happened in games two and three with Semyon Verlamov in the net um, and the way that the team has played in front of him from there on out? Yeah, um, I, I guess I could say there is a correlation. And the only reason why I say that is because of something that Barry Trotz said after game four yesterday, where he said that after Ilya Sorokin made that big save on, I believe it was Kasperi Kapanen in the first minute or two of the game, when he kind of had that semi-break, Sorokin came out aggressively, made a really big save, one where, just given off recent history, Semyon Varlamov might not have made. Trot said, okay, you know what? Sorokin's dialed in. We need to be dialed in too. And I think that could be a message that might have not had to have been communicated, but I think it was something that clicked in a lot of the players and the coaching staff's head where, okay, you know, we, we have to pick the rookie up. And it, it might not be intentional. Uh, I, I'm not going to say they, they're not doing that when Varlamov goes out and makes 43 saves and a loss. Um, but, it, it, again, it's, it's hard to ignore yeah, for sure, Joe. And one guy I want to pivot to here, he finally got his first taste of NHL playoff hockey, and that's number 26, Oliver Wallstrom. How do you feel like he's acclimated himself so so far to the, the, the playoff style of hockey and how he's looked so far, obviously getting on the score sheet yesterday? Yeah, really, barring game two, uh, he's he's been a pro, and there's a reason why Barry Trotz is playing him. You know, he, he has the reputation, both Trotz and Lamarillo, of, and it's their term that I'm using here, of overcooking their prospects, <laughs> where they will keep them down in the minors for as long as possible to ensure that it is a seamless transition into the NHL. The Islanders don't really necessarily have that luxury right now. They needed Wallstrom this year, and I think he is rewarding Barry Trotz's trust, where he continues getting chances. He continues getting ice time. He's playing on arguably the most valuable line that the Islanders have had this postseason. So I, I think the biggest testament to him is, again, outside of game two, we're not talking about him. And that's I, I shouldn't say we're not talking. We're not talking about him in a negative light. It's kind of how I describe Michael Dalcole during the regular season where, you know, he, he wasn't lighting it up or he wasn't taking a game by storm, but at the same time you weren't talking negative about him at the end of the game. You're not necessarily doing that about Oliver Wallstrom, but he brings the intangible of that wicked shot and he brings that heavy play, strong board play, goes into the corners, he wins those battles. I know I'm sounding cliched right now, <laughs> <laughs> but... It's those are the things that really, you know, drive Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo wild in, in the good sense, where you're only going to buy yourself more playing time that way. And as I just alluded to a second ago, that shot does not hurt. And for a team that has 
struggled and starved on the power play. That certainly helps, and it brings another dimension to a third line that likes to play heavy with Pajot and Palmieri, and it's dangerous. And the opposition obviously has to keep an eye on him, and the Penguins have. So it, it was completely deserved and justified. It was it was a, a while coming that he finally got that goal in Game 4, and uh, in my opinion, it's going to be the first of many for him. On the line with us, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technologies, a man who's never been accused of being overcooked. That is Joe Pantorno, the sports <laughs> editor of AM nice. New York. Joe, I, I want to pivot to another young player with the Islanders, of course. That's Mr. Matthew Barzal, a man who has as much talent as Oliver Wallstrom does, but doesn't seem to want to put the puck on net as much as Oliver Wallstrom does. And it certainly seems like that's become more and more of an issue as this series has gone on any at least in your observations is there any particular reason you see that Barzal is I don't want to say he's lacking the confidence because I don't think that's fair because we haven't talked to him in such a long time but uh, the, the, is there a particular reason at least in your mind why he's not been such a, a shot heavy player especially in, in times when he clearly needs to put the puck on the net yeah this is this is a tough question because again it's it's kind of hard to speak for a player in terms of where he is at mentally. But I had the honor of the last two games sitting next to Christian Arnold during, uh, you know, truly during, an honor. yes, truly. Joe, an honor. Joe might be the only person in the Islanders media core that would ever use the phrase truly an honor and sit next to me in the same sentence. Listen, my, my grandpa always said it's, it's nice to be nice. Um, <laughs> so you're saying those are disingenuous words. No, of course not. Just remember me down the road. You know, in case anything big happens to you. So <laughs> don't, don't forget me, Christian. No, but um, there were times where, you know, specifically on the power play, he had a couple of golden opportunities to shoot the puck and he passed it up or he was on the break and he passed it up. Then he tried to make the more difficult play and the more passive play. And this is a problem that we saw from Barzell when he was younger where it was pass first, shoot later. And he's kind of reverting back to that right now, which is a little bit mystifying considering that the Islanders are, you know, still really starving for that consistent offensive output. And they know that he's the guy, the target is set on him saying, hey, you can be that guy. You just got to shoot the puck more. Um, so you're right. I don't want to say that his confidence is shot, but I think he is expecting the Penguins to be on him as heavy as they were in games one and two, for example, where he couldn't move anywhere on the ice without two Penguins on him. Um, so I think that that's in his mind where it's, okay, I'm not going to have a lot of time at the puck. And, you know, I don't have that 95% scoring opportunity, that high danger chance or he thinks he doesn't have the high danger chance, and it's, okay, let me see if I can just make that extra pass, make that perfect play uh, to make sure that we capitalize on our opportunities that have before game four. We're kind of running few and far between. Um, Joe, and just to follow that up, um, and Christian and I have talked about this off the air, do you think that maybe um, part of Barzell's struggles overall uh, could potentially have something to do with the fact that Leo Komarov is on the line, not so much because of the talent level or what have you, but just because they're literally able to put more of a focus on Barzell defensively and Eberle because maybe they're like, we don't really got to worry about that other guy scoring. You know what I mean? Having Leo up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're the Penguins, why are you not with that mindset of, okay, oh, the first line's out on the ice, we'll let Leo Komarov beat us. Go ahead. Give it right. a shot. 
Um, to their yeah. peril. <laughs> Anyone who doubts first line Leo is a, is a fool. An absolute yeah, fool. And I know it's a hot topic conversation and it's <laughs> going to get people feeling a certain way. Um, but Leo's there to do a certain job and that is to try and create room for Barzal and Eberle. And is it working? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily. But again, it's the Islanders are dealing with the cards that they have right now. And all things considered, not bad. You know, you're, you're 2-2 with the number one seed in the Eastern Division with Leo Komarov as your first line left winger. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's the old saying of you surround a player with better talent, he's going to be a better hockey player. Yeah, sure. Matthew Barzal would be putting up more numbers if Anders Lee was healthy. Absolutely. Matthew Barzal would be a better player if he had Philip Forsberg on his left wing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be a hockey player if I was playing with Connor McDavid all day and I can't turn left while I'm skating. So go figure <laughs> So it's it's all about the you know it's all about the talent and the Derek and the Zoolander of skaters. <laughs> yes, bingo. Um, so it's it, it's kind of a loaded question, and yeah, you know the popular thing is to get on Barzal for the lack of offensive production, especially in the goal department. But at the same time, he had two assists in Game Four. Uh, he showed up Game Four, and that was his best game of the series by far. But at the same time, you also want to see him putting a few more shots on that because he should not be having one shot on goal, especially when he had those golden opportunities. So sure. it's, it's a bit of a slog and he'll get there, but um, they need it sooner rather than later. Talking on the line brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology with a man who's got Derek Zoolander talent, but not necessarily the looks Joe Pantono from AM New York, the sports editor over there. Uh, Joe, series shifts now to Pittsburgh, game five at PPG Paints Arena. I know you were on the Zoom call earlier today. A lot of the chatter was about, uh, obviously, the atmosphere at the Nassau Coliseum. You had the opportunity along with myself. And Shawnee was there for games two, uh, three and four, just That's four. That's right. Um, games I'll three and four. Uh, the atmosphere at the Nassau Coliseum certainly was electric, even with just 6,800 fans in the building. Now, with the Islanders shifting the, the series over to Pittsburgh and a, a much more hostile crowd in Pittsburgh, how do you think that impacts them having played two games in New York with the home atmosphere now going on the road with a much more hostile atmosphere uh, to go up against as well as a talented Pittsburgh Penguins team? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be difficult, especially after the last two games where you scour the internet, which is a horrible place, and you see you know, <laughs> even the Pittsburgh beat writers are you know, co- going up in arms about the officiating and how the world is against the Penguins. And, Unbelievable. Uh, listen, I mean, again, I'm, I'm going to try and stay as down the middle as I possibly can right now, but there is a knack of you watch a game in Pittsburgh regardless of who the Penguins are playing, and if you know somebody falls down that's wearing the, the black and gold you're going to you're going to hear the crowd and there's going to be a lot of moaning and groaning and you know as as much as referees won't admit it and we kind of saw the ugly side of it earlier this year um it does have an effect on them and Mike Sullivan is is constantly talking behind the bench to the referees and Sidney Crosby is obviously a very heavy presence to deal with as right. well um it's it's going to be a difficult environment obviously but it's something that the Islanders kind of embrace as a challenge and I think they know that really there is no more hostile place to play than the Nassau Coliseum for a visitor. So they kind of have an idea of what to expect in terms of what they'll be hearing just coming at them. But um, again, this is a team that has it's been drilled into their heads that 
the playoffs are fun. Just go out and enjoy it. And the challenge is, okay, you're going to go out and you're going to hear some things and they're going to be yelling at you. And you know what? The calls might not be going your way one night. But at the same time, well, let's see if we can shock them. And, and Barry Trotz said it. The mindset going into game five, and these are his quotes, not mine, it's us against the world. There you go. And, Joe, last front one from me. You've seen it through four games now. It's dead even at 2-2. Going to put you on the spot here. And where do you see this one going? Where do you see it going? I said it before the series started, and I'm sticking with my prediction. Islanders in seven. Okay. All right. There you have it. Isles in seven. Joe, we've been doing this thing the last couple weeks, uh, asking our our esteemed guests here that join us on the program uh, a random question. Brian Compton was asked about his favorite um, Kiss song. Kiss song, which is just ludicrous. Molly Walker was asked about um, her love of chicken tenders and where the best meal that she ever had as a journalist was uh, at any sporting event. So I was racking my brain trying to think of a random question for you, Joe. Uh, I'm kind of... All the different facets that I know about you, from obviously your your great Italian heritage to your very talented wife, who um, is a phenomenal cook, from what I understand. Uh, she's basically a professional chef. That's not a uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, no. The, yeah, the well ta- done, Joe. The talent level is the talent at the in the Pantorno household is not what the gentleman on the screen uh, that goes to his better half uh, in your wife, Joe. I but not- but I will put you on the spot here, and I, I figured out what I wanted to ask you as I vamped and 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 kind of bought myself some time right now just there uh and i would love to ask you or the random question of the the day is going to be what is the best meal that your wife makes whoa uh what is her what is her specialty dish holy cow that's see she is so well versed in the culinary arts that it is never like you know she's going to hit you up with the same thing like you know twice a month like every day it's going to be something different so it's it's this is a hard question um <laughs> man is she uh, listening is that why <laughs> no no she's not listening because once i say that sports are involved she tunes out and that's why i love her okay. she's, she's the ultimate escape from my job which just runs my life and you know i just do it until i can't see so it's just she, she is you know my world outside of this and i'm so thankful for her and and with all that time i still can't think of a dish that she makes to follow up <laughs> yeah it might be follow up but i mean her i mean her sauce is fantastic she made it just a traditional like every once in a while she'll break out like a sunday dinner and she'll make just like you know pasta and meatballs and it's just like you know it's great. And Christian's laughing at me. I'm sure he's doing like, you know, bippy boppity in his head or something. I was not, but I will now. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but I think that, you know, for now I'll say that's the best. But she bakes like all this great stuff. Like she makes these amazing rainbow cookies. They're fantastic. Um, I think those might be the favorite thing that she makes. There you go. Well, good there save go. there. Joe Pantorno, sports editor for AM New York. Uh, phenomenal follow on Twitter as well. I believe it's just Joe at Joe Pantorno on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you can read his stuff over at uh, – actually, I think the actual – title of his publication is like am metro sunshine new york or something like that.com very, very close how do i how do we how do people find your coverage of not only the islanders but across the new york sports spectrum right so on twitter you got it it's at joe pantorno or you can find all of my work at am new york metro uh so it's www.amny.com 
And I know your wife also does some cooking classes as well that people can sign up for. Give her a little plug since we just spent about five minutes talking about your wife. Yes. No, she does. She is on Instagram. You can follow her page at cutieoodie. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be saying that today. <laughs> but here I am. That made it all worth it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's uh, that's cutie, C-U-T-I-E, Udi, O-O-D-I-E, cakes. Joe, phenomenal. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. <laughs> Looking forward to having you on again down the road. Enjoy Definitely. the rest of your Sunday, all right, bud? Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You got to take care, Joe. Anytime. Joe Pantorno, uh, over, sports editor over at the uh, great AM New York, AM New York Metro, Metro New York. I forget his the publication is with their title. They really need to just get together over there. But Joe does a great job over there uh, with his coverage of not just the New York Islanders, but across the New York sports scene. Uh, we thank him for his time this evening. Yes, absolutely. And, and I'm sure his wife, I hope his wife gets a couple extra dude, uh, sign-ups I mean, for her class and we followers. Were, we were waiting for the answer to the random question, and it made it all worth it at the end. Just that, pl- You didn't know that was coming, right? You no, 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 not at all. I actually, I had no idea. I knew, I just, because we're friends on Facebook, so I see him push his, his wife's, like, cooking stuff all the time. Yeah. And so that's why I thought of that as the, for the random question. And then I never followed up or gave any second thought to, like, oh, let me, like, follow her on Instagram that for her cooking stuff. and was uh, just So that was, a, that was great. Amazing. Phenomenal. All right. Well, the show rolls on here Indeed. at Hockey Night in New York. So where you want to take it, pal? You want to, I mean, we started talking about uh, Sorokin a little bit with Joe. Maybe we'll pick up there. Uh, you got the fact that, uh, you know, Varlamov had some struggles, especially early in these games. Sorokin gets himself a start. Now, are you of the thinking that Ilya Sorokin has to start Game 5? I am. I think that at this point, you kind of ride the hot hand. And I think it, right now, it's it's Ilya Sorokin. I don't see why you change that right now unless he has a bad game on on Monday. Um, which, I mean, he really hasn't in the playoffs. The guy has been, as Joe pointed out, he's been as solid a soldier as any. And I think that... Oh, has to do a lot with his experience, not only now um, playing in his first season in the NHL, but also being with the team in the bubble. Sorry, I have an itchy back. So <laughs> I was like, to, what is this guy doing over here? Remember, uh, you're on the camera. <laughs> no, no I, I have an itch. I don't care uh, if I'm on the camera. Right, I got to itch right, it. Right, uh, I'm not going to sit here for another 30 minutes and struggle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. I lost my spot. Yes. But then you have Ilya Sorokin. Talented guy. He was here during the bubble, got experience during that, got experience obviously playing this season, and then, of course, you had him with the experience of his time in the KHL, and he's played on some of the game's biggest stages. I know people want to take shots at the KHL, but, you know, it's the second-best hockey league in the world. Um, The guy won a championship there. He wasn't a playoff MVP there. Um, He won a gold medal with the Russian Olympic team, or I think it was the players from Russia hockey team because Russia (laughs) couldn't have an official uh, national team at the Olympics that year. But, um, you know, this is a guy that's played on the sport's biggest stages minus the Stanley Cup playoffs. And now, you know, throw him into the mix here, and he's been out of this world. Um, I mean, he was two and a half minutes away from a shutout in a second career playoff game in the NHL. Yeah, and he's actually undefeated in the NHL playoffs. He is 2-0, unscathed. I mean, the guy The guy knows when to make the big saves in, in games that are 5-4, and the guy knows how to make big saves in games where his offense is just outstanding, and he's, he's pitching a shutout there. Yeah, and I have been praising Semyon Varlamov all year. I yeah. said this is uh, He absolutely, absolutely deserves all the praise he's gotten. This outstanding year. season, tremendous. And look, I just because Barry is Barry, I wouldn't put it past him to go back to Varlamov. Right. I just don't see it. 
I don't. You got to go back to Sorokin after yesterday. I, I have to imagine. Sorry, I'm fixing my microphone and trying to get it a little bit situated. Um, I, 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 I'd be shocked. Uh, and quite frankly, I'd be, I'd be perplexed, befuddled, if you will. Right, of course. Um, if Barry Trotz went back to Semyon Verlamov for game five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now, like I said, in, in the situation they find themselves, they can't really afford to, you know, not play the goaltender that's playing and giving them the best chance to win. And that's, right. that's Ilya. Yeah. That's the white whale. That's Sorokin. Yeah, and if he has a rough game, you got a great then other we revisit option. The, yeah, you revisit the conversation again. Right, exactly. No, I'm with you. I think you got to go back to Sorokin tomorrow and uh, ride the whale, as you say. So <laughs> so there was a lot of confusion. You brought up the, the packed penalty boxes yes. earlier at the top of the show here, and there's a lot of confusion as to what was going on there, particularly with Crosby essentially being able to nominate himself out of the box uh, and everybody, you know, especially in Ireland, the country was a little like, what the hell up in arms? Because, A, you never really see anything like that. It's such a rare occurrence and rare circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's the what's the clarity now? He was able to choose to take himself out of the box because he's the captain. He was basically able to say, hey, I get to come out because they had such a packed penalty box. I'm trying to find you the right answer because you kind of caught me off guard with that question. Man, so I thought you'd have it. I did not have that. So disappointing. That, uh, all right, well, I mean, we can come back That's to it as you... So, as you uh, so a way to make me look foolish. Well, it's not, it's not difficult. So, we'll move on until you, until you pick that back up. But, yeah, it was something about, it was something about him, uh, you know, that he was able to take somebody out of there because, you know, they were, they were overfilled and he was a captain. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know the captain. You would think it would be the coach, and he probably would have <laughs> picked Crosby also. But uh, he got to take himself out of the box, and Islander fans were understandably a little bit upset and saying, what the hell is going on? But anyway, let's move on. Josh Bailey scored himself a goal last night. He opened up the scoring, which was obviously huge, not only for him, but also for the team. What's your what's your make of, of Josh Bailey so far in this series? And, and, you know, not only just him, but, you know, guys, a lot of guys that needed to get on the score sheet, whether it was him, Pollock, Everly, you know, getting the one late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of Josh Bailey's play? And I guess you can extend that into his line. With, well, with I mean, Rock that Nelson. whole line's played phenomenal this yeah. entire series. So I don't think that was really too much of a surprise there. Um, you know, when you look at the way they that the, that line has produced opportunities and scoring chances and um, just just the way they've they found that cohesiveness with each other. I, that, that hasn't changed from the end of the regular season to the start of the postseason now. So, um, you know, it wasn't. Too much of a surprise to see him get in the, get find a find a, find the back of the net. He found the back of the net in game two as well, and that two one loss. Um, so he's played well this series. That whole line has played well this series, um, and that's exactly what you needed. You need the Brock Nelsons, you need the Anthony Beauvilliers, you need the Josh Baileys to perform. They were the keys um, when you see those teams be effective, or the, in the past, the Islanders be effective in the playoffs. You know, you look back at the twenty nineteen series. Who was it that was scoring the big goals? Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey. Uh, obviously, Jordan Eberle, or Eberle gets a goal the other day. Um, so that was huge as well. That needed to happen again this year because you look at even last year's playoff series, same thing. The key contributors, the guys stepping up and putting up those goals in big moments were the Brock Nelsons, the Beauvilliers, the Baileys. You need those guys. You need that secondary scoring, especially from your second line, especially when that first line was struggling as much as it was and was having such an yeah. issue generating those scoring chances and, and capitalizing on them. Uh, you know, you need those guys to. I keep saying um, and I'm hearing it in my head every time I say it. You hear, you need those guys to step up, and that's what they've been doing this series, and, and they're getting rewarded. You're seeing the Brock, you're seeing those guys that second line really be effective, and when they're out there on the ice, they're creating chaos, they're creating opportunities, and they're 
forcing the Penguins to play back on their heels. They're generating chances. They're hemming them in their own end of the ice, and that's a good thing for the Islanders. Yeah, and I think you can make a case for that third line as well. They're playing pretty damn well, you know, with Pajot and Wallstrom and Palmieri. Obviously, Palmieri scoring a huge goal in game one. I mean, he had two goals in that game, but obviously you get the OT winner, and, and I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for from this guy. Everybody was starting to question the trade. Obviously, you know, looking at... Uh, you know, Taylor Hall, seeing what he's doing over in Boston, he's starting to get a little bit of buyer's remorse from some of the Islander fans out there. So it was nice to see him break out. But I think, you know, you can also credit that line in the sense that, uh, look, I mean, if you want to talk about lines one, two, three, four, it's almost as if the Barzell line is, is kind of dropped back to the line three, you know, in the sense that just with the way the other two lines are performing ahead of them, I think that they've been right. able to be a little more reliable and look you can blame Leo Komarov or not I'm, I'm, that's not where I'm going with this but the bottom line is they just haven't been producing as much as those other lines so it's nice to see that the middle six has been able to pick up the slack even when you have you know guys struggling like Barzell and Everly even though Everly finally got got himself a goal yesterday yeah that was that was increasingly again those are all important players to to see put up points and um you, you know you mentioned Matthew Barzell and as much as we've talked about him not shooting the puck and him not um, finding the back of the net, you, you do have to say he's been a bit more of an effective player the last couple of games, at least in the points department. He's setting up certain plays. Uh, he had, I believe he had two assists in game three. He was much more noticeable the last two games, and that's a huge positive compared to where he started off in game one where he was almost completely invisible and, and somewhat similar of a situation in game two. Yeah, and we also have Mel Armenia pointing out in the chat that the fourth line has been great too, which they have, especially in Game 3, even though it ended in a loss, but Cal Clutterbuck getting on the score sheet a couple of times. And just let's just talk for a minute about the emotional roller coaster that was the third period of Game 3. I mean, the Islanders were down pretty much all game. They're battling back. They tie it multiple times. You know, you have that feeling of joy, especially if you were in the building. Everybody going bananas when they tie the game late. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't keep the puck out of the net in order to maintain those ties and then hopefully take the lead. I mean, they were basically fighting themselves, you know, every time they scored a goal. And and I I guess, you know, on this extension of that, you know, maybe that's the reason why Semyon Varlamov, you know, doesn't end up back in the lineup yesterday. Right. And, you know, how much do you peg it on him, you know, for not being able to, you know, maintain those, uh, you know, the score when they they tied it? Yeah, I I, I think... Maybe the I don't even want to use the word most damning, but one of the more intriguing comments from Barry Trotz after the game, the game three loss, was the fact that he he used the phrase that um he, he said something to the effect of you know when you're scoring four goals you should win you, yeah. you can't you can't mm-hmm. lose especially that, the Islanders right and that that really maybe that felt again I don't want to use the word damning but it certainly felt something. You know, yeah, there was yeah, an emotion yeah. there, right? Uh, and that yeah. and that certainly seemed to give away maybe at least some aspect of what um, he was thinking for game four in that particular instance, because uh, there's a point to be made there. Uh, there's actually, if when once, the Islanders score four goals, you know, that's a game they need to win. Right. And once he said, you know, what are you, he said something along the lines of, yeah, that's going to play a big role in, in who I choose for, for game four. I feel like at that point he was basically telling us, yeah, Sorokin's going to start game four, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. Now, yeah. now you have the series shifting back to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. PPG, PPG paints arena, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the new home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously uh, replacing the old home, the Igloo, where the Islanders and Penguins have played many a hard-fought battle as well. And, and uh, funny enough, I was watching the other day the movie um, She's Out of My League, 
with okay. uh, Jay Baruchel, Alice Eve, mm-hmm. um, T.J. Miller. Okay, part of that part of that movie actually shot at PP, uh, at the old igloo during the Islanders Penguins game in, in two thousand. Oh, I never saw the movie. You should see it. A, it's very funny. Okay. B, there's a scene where they're out on a date at mm-hmm. an uh, Islanders Penguins game. Real throwback. You have Wade really? Diblowitz in net. You have okay. Radic Martinez very very much in the scene. Wow. Uh, skating around, which I th- maybe the most most. Uh, Famous thing Radic Martina can have to his career. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. But another scene that made me think, there's a very another great scene in that movie okay. um, where Jay Baruchel, Alice Eve, plays the, you know, the very attractive female sure. lead in the movie, much okay. more attractive than Jay Baruchel's character, and he's, he's grooming a little bit, if you know what I mean. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I see where grooming, we're going. Grooming. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't help but notice uh-huh. when he was grooming, Right. He was using this old, dingy blade that oh, made me wow. cringe. Oh, no. Because... That doesn't sound comfortable. No. Because right. if I was there, I would have told him, if you need to groom down there, you got to go to Manscaped. Manscaped. And you got to get the lawnmower 4.0. Yes. Because that is the <laughs> next generation of men's grooming. Uh, it, it really was. And we've, we've gotten the chance to try... The lawn, the you know, the uh, lawnmower 4.0, yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal product from our friends over at Manscaped, Boom. who are now coincidentally sponsors of the program. They are. And they are. We now have a special <clears throat> offer to give our our listeners and and viewers, and that's of course the twenty percent off and free shipping anywhere across the the world the globe. Not just the continental <clears throat> U.S. or Canada, but that's right across the globe. Just using the promo code Hockey Night. And why when you go to manscaped.com. And, of course, you're going to want to get yourself a lawnmower 4.0 because you have to imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And we've, like I said, Sean and I have been able to try this firsthand. We cannot praise the product enough because it has made things so much simpler in the bathroom when you're obviously getting yourself ready whether it's to go to a hockey game or on a date, uh, this is the product that you want to use. It's engineered the uh, engineered the ultimate groom and groom groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comfort grooming a comfortable grooming experience. Uh, of course, they have the cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. Again. What a what a tool to have! Certainly not oh, a yeah. place you want to have an accident when no. you're shaving. No, thank you. Uh, of course, Very the upgraded trimmer there. includes a multifunctional on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 400k LED spotlight on and off when you, uh, when needed for more precise shaving. And of course, that LED light is such a big function. Trim the dark. It's tough. Well, even if you just want that precision trimming when it's sure. a little little dark in the bathroom. Of course, again, if you want to sign up, uh, sign up. If you want to purchase a lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped, go to manscaped.com, type in the promo code HockeyNight, and why you'll get 20% off and free shipping across the globe. Christian, that was spectacular. That was spectacular. You really knocked it out of the park. You went for it. It was great. A little movie reference tie-in. I don't know. I wow. Say. I'm proud of you, man. Great People job. come for the hockey talk. They stay for my <laughs> Manscaped or, live reads. Or they run for their lives when you uh, start with the Manscaped. We, we you remember, if you think back to when we were at R.J. Daniels, we, the, we, people weren't 
fired up for anything more than when we did the Manscaped we, reads. We did, we did get some compliments on the Manscaped stuff. So, so I guess it's working. So go to <laughs> Manscaped.com, Hockey Night NY, promo code will get you 20% off plus free shipping. And with that, Christian, what do you say we go to the hero of the week? Absolutely. You feel good about that? Yes. Let's do it. Let me find the right button. <laughs> All right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is none other than the White Whale with chicken cutlet, gravy, onion, rings. <laughs> <laughs> onion rings. Bacon, fresh mozzarella <laughs> on a toasted garlic. Hero, head on down to Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Starting tomorrow through Sunday, mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the White Well. And perhaps this is a bit of a, a bit of a hint on where we're going here with the Hero of the Week. So, Christian, I'm going to allow you to do the honors here tonight. And why don't you tell everybody who you're nominating for the Hero of the Week? Well, of course, it's the Lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's pretty obvious at this well point. Well done. It is, of course, Ilya Sorokin, the white whale. Let me uh, press your button Thank for you yeah. very much. Yeah. Getting the nod is. as our hero, my hero of the week anyway, uh, for his phenomenal play in game one, where we, Sean and I were for our, at RJ Daniels for a live pregame show. Yes, had a blast over there. Absolutely. They shout did a great job. Our, if I could have a second hero of the week, it would probably be the great staff at RJ Daniels yes. for doing such a phenomenal yes, they job over there. They were there. awesome over there. Uh, especially our boy Mikey, who helped yes. us set the whole thing up. So yes. he would be my second hero of the week along with RJ Daniels. But our first go. hero of the week, obviously, the white whale, Ilya Sorokin, playing a phenomenal game in game one and game four. Two and a half minutes away from a shutout in just his second career NHL Stanley Cup playoff game. Not too bad, Christian, and it's for that reason that I am actually with you. Wow. That's right. In sync. Another unanimous hero of the week, Ilya Sorokin, I suppose. You Should could- we be concerned? We're starting to agree on things. It, it does concern yeah. me a little bit. It does. And now you know, we both get the Sparky Flex. Nice. There we go. There you go. Sparky. Sparky improves. We need both. to update that. Sparky with his mask on. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess we could. Well, everybody's getting vaxxed now, at least a lot of people. Well, Sparky yeah. still has You still got to wear a mask when you go to the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, at and least. Sparky was there. wearing his the entire game. He's a responsible dragon. <laughs> He's a responsible dragon. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Your hero of the week, Ilya Sorokin, for all the reasons mentioned above. Was there anybody else you were considering? Um, I think Brock Nelson could... Uh, I think Brock Nelson could certainly have have a, okay. a, a nomination there. Okay. Jordan Eberle for the way he scored uh, in Game Four could have a nomination. Oliver <clears throat> Wallstrom for the way he's played certainly could be in the mix. Um, oops, excuse me. I'm trying to think who Kyle else. Kyle Palmieri, as Miller Media Twenty Two just mentioned, I think that's pretty uh, Kyle Palmieri from Game One, but right. I, I don't know. I, I feel like as great as he played in the first game, he's been a little more Quieted a little bit quiet since, since then, yeah. since then um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, that line is producing overall. Um, and there's a, a great cohesion between the three of them, so I will never knock Kyle Palmieri in that regard. But Hero of the Week nomination, mm, a little tough for me right now. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I got you. I mean, Ilya stepped up in a big way, and so far it's paid off yeah. quite well. So there was one pair, defensive pairing that we focused on last week at RJ Daniels that I kind of wanted to, I guess, update on and, and talk about your assessment on the Nick Letty-Scott Mayfield pairing so far through these first four games in the series. Um, what are you seeing out there? Uh, they've looked better, yeah. that's for sure, um, which is a good thing for the Islanders. And I think that yeah. was one of the things we talked about on, on the last show when we were yeah. at RJ Daniels was yeah. Scott Mayfield and, and Nick Letty. Um, I don't 
I want to say I don't believe they have caused the uh, cost the Islanders um, anything during the course of this series. They've played mm-hmm. much better, and, and that's exactly what you needed. And, and like I always say, if you're not noticing a defender or defensive pair, mm-hmm. it's probably a good thing. It's as annoying, and I hate it. I hate it because I feel like defenders get screwed out of the recognition that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, because the only time you, you acknowledge them is when they play uh, when they play great and they score the game winning goal or something like that, or when they make a major mistake and the cost them. So there's no middle ground. Um, and that always bugs me. Uh, I'm not even a defenseman. I don't know why it bugs me. But they, <laughs> they don't get the credit they deserve, all right? Yeah, well, no, it's true. I mean, you know, usually all the accolades go to the guys scoring the goals, right. which are typically the forwards. So mm-hmm. I understand it. And good for you for, for putting your foot down and defending the defenders. How yes, about that? Someone's got to defend the defenders. So, uh, so how do you feel about the, the Norris Trophy then? Because, you know, you got some people that are tra- starting to say, hey, Maybe you should have two trophies, you know, one for an offensive uh, yeah. defenseman, one for a defensive defenseman, because the, tr- the truth is they usually give it to the guy with the most points. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, which is pretty silly yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I, I feel like it's something that it's, – it's such a tough question because I understand the idea, but having two Norris trophies I, I feel like is a bit overkill. Yeah. Um, I, I think at the end of the day what, what needs to happen and maybe, I, you know, I, I don't vote on the Norris – uh, not this year, anyway. I'm, or I'm not sure how long into being a PHWA member you get to vote mm-hmm. in the, in the NHL awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm not quite sure on the criteria how they, you know, ultimately how they they send it out to their membership. But mm-hmm. I, I think there needs to be a hard line stance of this is the criteria for the Norris, um, and whether that's saying all right. The defenseman has that has the most points. The defenseman that plays the strongest game in his own end, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that needs to be spelled out, and that's how the voters and the membership needs to vote for the Norris Trophy. Because when you think about it, they kind of have two trophies for forwards in the sense that what you get the you get the the point leader right. every season, which is always going to be a forward, right? Uh, you know, nine and a half times out of ten, and then <laughs> right. you get the Selkie Trophy, where it does actually recognize somebody who can play a two way game. Usually, they have a decent point total as well. Right, but it kind of goes with it. But there's a little more clarity, I guess, with that in the sense that you kind of know what you're voting for a little more. Like yeah. you know, a forward position is always going to be a position nine times out of ten you're voting for based on their offensive output. Yeah, um, defenseman, it's a little more detailed, I guess, or could potentially be more detail oriented. Yeah, if you will, because defensemen, ideally, again, you want them putting up points, but their role mainly is to to be responsible in their own end and blah, 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 blah. I mean, everyone knows what a defenseman is supposed to do, right? Um, so that needs to be, I think, maybe spelled out a little bit more clearly. I uh, I agree with you. I think I think defensive def- defensemen, such as a guy like Adam Pellick, maybe they need some language in there to give a guy like him a shot. You know, maybe he's never yeah. going to win. It. Maybe, who knows if, if he would ever be nominated. But usually the guys like that are never just going to get recognized because right. – they just don't put enough points right. up on the board, right? You know, so I, it was, it's a good question. It's a it's a very thought provoking question, Sean. Good for you. Thanks, man. I try here at Hockey Night New York. <laughs> so we like the the Letty Mayfield pairing a little more. They're 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 playing okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. No, I I agree. And uh, I, somebody in the chat, it might have been Mel Armenia once again, mentioned that Mayfield's been playing uh, a lot better. I have to agree with yeah. that. He had a good night in uh, uh what was that game three where he uh, put up a couple points again in in a losing effort. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's nice to see that those guys have stepped up a little bit because it seems like that's going to be the pairing that, uh, you know, other teams might be focusing on and be like, Hey, this is where we might be able to get our goals from, you know? So, uh, they're going to need those guys to step up a little bit. And we mentioned RJ Daniels before. Just want to remind everybody that it is the place to watch Isles playoff hockey. That's right. If you can't make it to the Collie, if you can't get to power play goal arena, (laughs) 
in Pittsburgh. PPJ paints. Oh. I know. I know. I'm being silly. I'm being silly. But RJ Sorry. Daniels is the place to be. $5, 16-ounce Barn Rocker Ales, $14 Bud Light Pitchers, $17 Domestic Buckets, $4 Domestic Bottles or Pints. And, of course, they will have a specials menu they always do for food. RJ Daniels, great atmosphere, great staff, great people. Head on down to watch your island of hockey. I'm probably going to be there tomorrow. We'll see. Maybe. Apparently, you get to meet Sean Cuthbert, too. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Unlucky you. (laughs) Thanks, Christian. Appreciate that. So, with that out of the way... (laughs) Why don't we uh, – I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Joe. Four games in. It's yes. two to two. Uh, I mean, I picked them in seven games. I picked the Islanders in seven games. So I'm going to stick by with what I said originally. Yeah, the Islanders okay. won seven games. I'm Winning giving you seven. a chance to change your answer. Maybe you no. saw something out there no. that, uh, you know, made, I, you, made I, you switch. I'm I'm not as, as bullish on the Pittsburgh Penguins as I think other people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I think we've talked about this off the air of how – I mean, this isn't the same Pittsburgh Penguins that people remember from the mid mid to later mid two thousands, when you know they would they could have injuries and you know kind of overcome these these kind of crazy circumstances and then make deep runs in the playoffs. I just don't think that's the same team that they have right now. And as as good as Jeff Carter has been for them, and what a great acquisition that is. And uh, you know, if the Penguins win, I think that that's going to be one of the trades, and they and they make a deep run in the playoffs. I think that's going to be one of the trades that people will write and look back and go, that was a game changer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But even with that, right now, looking at everything going on, I'm just not as confident in that team. And I think the series is much more even than certain people in, in, in the hockey media landscape, whether that's New York, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether that's everywhere else, um, might think it is. Uh, I think the game is much, that the series has been much more even, barring um, some rough moments in the first couple games for the Islanders. Okay, fair enough. And I predicted Isles in six before the series, and, you know, look, that means they're going to have to win the next two games, which is going to be That's difficult. usually what happens. Right. Correct. So, look, <laughs> they're going into Pittsburgh tomorrow. I'll say this. If the Isles do take Game 5 tomorrow, mm-hmm. I think they close it out at the Coliseum in Game 6. If they happen to lose tomorrow in Pittsburgh, then I think the Isles take it in 7 in Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I'm saying? I understand what you're so, saying. So, I'm kind of sticking with my prediction, but adding a little bit more in there now because, look, it's 2-2. It's going to yeah. be tough. They got, they got to win at least one in Pittsburgh. They got to win at least one. <laughs> So look, I think what I happens think, when you don't get home ice. Yes, and yes. This, this is where we'll see how much of the home ice thing really comes into play with with both these teams, right? Because yeah. they split the series now at, at the Coliseum. They split it at PPG Paints, PPJ Paints Arena, and yeah. now comes crunch time. This is where the penguin, the advantage of home ice, really kicks in. It's not. Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because this is this is. You know, if the Islanders don't win the series, let's say, and they win one game at the Coliseum and lose, drop both games at Pittsburgh, it comes back to bite them really, really hard. Um, and if they don't, well, then that's kosher. Yeah, well, they're going to have to get used to it because if they do happen to advance further into the playoffs, I don't see too many scenarios where they end up with home ice unless somehow, like, the four seed in every division gets through and they happen to have more points than, than one of those right. teams. They're pretty much going to be on the road to start every series that they happen to be in this this playoffs. 100%. You know, and oh. that's... Go ahead. No, no, 100%. Oh. That's it. I thought you had something to yeah, add. Yeah, that's 100%. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, that's the... Yeah, that's the, that's the bed they made, and they're, they're going to have to sleep in it. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But the awesome thing is they had a huge win yesterday. It's tied 2-2. Sorokin's playing great. Yeah. And, look, the atmosphere at the Coliseum, again, even with half the people, 
was, has been fantastic. And I believe they're bumping it up again for Wednesday, the, uh, the attendance. I believe they're adding more uh, tickets to be sold. I believe there's going to be more people in the building. I've heard maybe around 10,000. I will take your word for that. Officially, I have not heard anything. Right. I know um, um, Dave Panyota, who we've had on the show a couple mm-hmm. times now, mm-hmm. I know he tweeted out that they're working on, on increasing the capacity for the Nassau Coliseum for Game 6. I don't know what the – I mean, Dave Panyota, to his credit, doesn't just put out stuff that isn't true. No. But I haven't heard anything officially from, from the Islanders or the right. county or the state, and that's ultimately yeah. who makes these decisions. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I would be curious to know what – the scenario is, I'm assuming that if they're adding more fans, it would most likely be adding more fans to the to vaccinated the, right. section and not the right. unvaccinated section. Right. Um, you know, right now the New York Knicks are playing the Atlanta Hawks at Madison Square Garden. The Brooklyn Nets played the uh, Boston Celtics the last night at the Barclays Center. Sorry, I forgot what the name of the arena was there. <laughs> You've only been there a million times. Uh, the Barclays Center. Both <laughs> of those, both of those, played in front of pretty high uh, capacity crowds. I think the okay. New York Knicks are playing right now in front of fifteen thousand fans. So, oh, there you go. Uh, there's certainly an uptick in capacity in a lot of the arenas. It would be hard to imagine that the Nassau Coliseum won't be able to follow suit. Yeah, a little birdie told me we might be looking at around ten thousand. Now, don't hold me to that. But... We're also being told by Mel Armenia twenty two that she received an email for. Season ticket holders that said capacity was increased. There uh, you go. They just haven't been told the percentage yet. So that seems okay. like like it's in the works and it'll be announced. But uh, right now, officially, that hasn't been made public to, I guess, other, uh, people other than season ticket holders who might be eligible. Okay. But that, Fair uh, enough. I mean, 10,000 fans in the Nassau Coliseum, I mean, that place will be rocking. No, I got to give you guys credit, man. You guys brought it in games three and four. I have to say, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see everybody out there having a good time. And I look forward to game six. Hopefully, we'll be closing the series out for the Isles. We'll see. But Christian, you want to go for some audience questions real quick before we go? I mean, I think we'll we answer, questions. answered the audience question. Are man. you getting lazy on me, man? I mean, that was the oh, Are you sure? one audience question. I, I don't think. I think there was more. I, I think there don't was more. think there was. Man, why are you lying to me? I'm not lying to you. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Yep. I told you. All right, I'm fine. Just making this up. I mean, you do make stuff up. Sometimes. Also, just uh, uh, Melomania22 mentioned the uh, Jari playing with the broken stick. Uh, I okay. do remember that. I just I wanted to address that. I don't have an answer for you as to why that wasn't called a penalty. My understanding of the rules is that that's not allowed, but. There was no penalty called, and um, unfortunately, because the officials are are not made available to the media, or not even um, in in any sort of like a pool reporter sent down to be able to ask questions, we were not able to get these answers. Other than I don't know why it wasn't called, and it wasn't <laughs> something. And it compared to the the Sidney Crosby issue that people were were much, I think, much more up in arms about in Game Three. Um, there wasn't right. as much as much curiosity. Uh, for why that was the case in Game 4 for Jari. So I don't know the answer to it. It's a great question because I had the same thought in that moment when Jari was playing with half a stick. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not allowed to do that. You're not supposed From to From my understanding of the NHL rules, yes, but I don't know. It's, and that's not the first time we've seen that happen. I've seen, you know, it's just the inconsistency is very frustrating. And I, and I, can, I can sympathize with the fans, you know, when they do get upset, you know, with the, how the refs are calling the games because sometimes they're by the book and sometimes just like, hey, don't worry about it. Go ahead. Go play with two broken sticks. It's no problem. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always going to be a point of contention. The, look, it's a hard job. It's a very difficult job. I wouldn't yeah. want to do it. No. But, I mean, sometimes, 
you feel like they might be able to do a better job than they do sometimes, you know? You, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, I, I think if NHL officiating has been all over the map this during the playoffs as a whole, um, because I think you're seeing it from this series, from mm. other series where officials just have, have not made great calls, and, and I think you're seeing coaches and players become a little bit more frustrated with it. I think there was a, there was a clip, I'm not mistaken, on TSN uh, of a Canadian's player was asked about a call, and you could tell just, the unhappiness on his face was mm. very evident. Yeah. So um, it, it is very interesting to see how uh, poor the officials officiating has been this, during the postseason, at least at the start. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the very least, you'd like to see it, you know, heading trending in the in the improved direction, <laughs> you know, for the playoffs. I mean, right. Look, we know that they're they're you know they pocket the whistle, so to speak. They usually you know try to let the players dictate the games. They don't want to get involved, which is good. I think they should, but there has to be well, a line drawn in the sand too, where they can't just let you know let them get away with anything. I will say, and and also Melarini asked feelings on Cooper speaking out about officiating. Uh, again, I think that just speaks to the, the level of frustration across the league now about yeah. how the officials have been called. I, I'm fine with it, but I also am not an NHL official, and I'm not a member of the National Hockey League, so <laughs> right. I'm fine with it. Right. I, you know, uh, I'm sure the NHL not fine with it. But what I was about to say, though, the one thing I found very interesting from the game on Saturday was the mm. kind of the dramatics of the puck drop for a lot of the faceoffs. Yeah, what was going on? With um, that? Again, but speaks to the officiating as a whole because it, it, it just seemed unnecessary. And, yes. and people, you know, you talk about the officials making themselves part of the game, right. or taking the attention. I mean, right. that almost seemed like, and I hate to make this accusation or mm-hmm. even put that in the air, but it certainly seemed like that was kind of what the case was in, in those instances where it just, the, 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 length of it taking as long as it did to drop the puck, kind of kicking certain guys out, and, and the dramatics of it all just seemed unnecessary. No, I agree. I agree. I noticed that too. I mean, I'm I'm sitting in the stands with my buddies, and I'm just like, "What's going on here? Why won't Why won't this guy just drop the puck? What What is he yeah. waiting for? What What is he trying to get set up here? You know that That was the thing. I, yeah. I I didn't have an answer, and it certainly became a little a little cumbersome uh, after a while. To 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 even at, at a certain point, you're just like, "What are we doing here? Just drop the puck and let's right. go. We're trying to you know, We're trying to play a hockey. We game. don't need the the dramatics. This isn't WWE. No, it is not." And with that, are we wrapping up here? You got anything else you want to say about these four games and these three games coming up? We'll let's see what happens. We're going to see what happens. And actually, actually, we're probably not doing next Sunday. Oh, yes. We've got to let everybody that. know about yes. that. Yes, we want everybody to enjoy their Memorial Day weekend. So it looks like, and obviously this is barring what circumstance the Islanders are in, you know, hopefully preparing for the second round of the playoffs. We are eyeballing next Tuesday as our next episode, so keep an eye on that. If they do play Tuesday night, we will probably do a pregame show to lead you right into the game. If they are not, it will be as scheduled. Just a regular show. It'll just be a regular show, 8 o'clock Tuesday night. Either way, hopefully we're talking about the Islanders wrapping up their series against the Penguins with a win, and we're talking about who their opponent's going to be in round two. Either way, keep it here, because we will be coming back. So... With that, we cue the music. I want to send a big thanks out to Joe Pantorno of AM New York for joining us tonight. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey.ny. And, of course, everybody 
listening to the podcast. Huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Make sure you head on over for great food, great service, and great people. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hockey-themed heroes. And, of course, a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 to get three free months of service. And a big thanks to Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com with promo code HockeyNightNY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And of course, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast providers. Tell your friends. Spread the word. On Twitter, you can follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And on all social media platforms, you can follow the show at Hockey Night NY. Once again, thanks a lot for tuning in. Let's go, Isles. Let's take this series. Let's talk about round two next week. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your night. Bye. Hey there, Sparky.